0: Alright, hello and welcome to another episode of Atheist News Network. This one's interesting because I actually haven't discussed the Iraq War very much with Leighton. And Leighton actually is a former, well, if you call Coast Guard part of the military.
1: (laughs) Hey, we're the bastard child of the military. We still count. (laughs) Even if we do get the leftovers of all the other military branches.
0: Awesome. So this article is called War Room is No Place for Bible Study at, uh, was it, Boston Globe or something?
1: Yeah, the Boston Globe, and it, in fact, I am still completely flabbergasted at this article, I mean, sadly though, the more I think about it, the more I'm not too surprised, but it still flabbergasts me.
0: It, it's um, impressive. I always thought that Bush, although not the brightest guy, I heard that he doesn't believe in the Bible literally, I know he's really religious, but I had heard that they, like Karl Rove and all these guys, Rumsfeld, kind of laughed at all the evangelicals at the same time they were using them to drum up votes. Yeah. And I kind of assumed that Bush was the same way. Maybe he's not. Maybe uh, maybe he's just as stupid as he comes off. Well, I mean, reading this
1: article, and if there is any truth to it, which obviously there is, since there are people in there downplaying it, but with there being some sort of truth, it's obvious that he believes absolutely in everything the Bible says. So I mean, obviously he believes that we're going to die in rapture or whatever, and then God's going to come. And obviously he believes that there were a lot of
0: animals on the ark. Yeah, we we should summarize the article for those who haven't read it. Um, there'll be a link on the side as always. But basically, what it says during the Bush era, um, they would give these updates from the Iraq War, uh, and it was laced with. Christian slogans and scriptures, uh, and they had all these pictures of war, and they'd have little captions from the scripture. Um, They have a GI, you know, who's who's praying, and there's a question, you know, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And, you know, over the soldiers is the answer, here I am, Lord, send me. (laughs)
1: That is just, that is irritating, because, I mean... Although I wasn't the bastard child of the military, we did work a lot with the Navy, we worked a lot with the Army, with, uh, with the Marines. And uh, yes, for those of you who are wondering, there are Coast Guard units over in Iraq, so just shut up right now. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, we worked with these guys, and to actually see something like this and, and think... That Bush was actually sending people over there for religious zealotism.
0: I it's mean, awesome. I mean they, they have another one, or it says, "Commit to the Lord, whatever you do, and your plans will succeed. Open the gates that the righteous nation may enter." I mean, oh, it's horrible. Yeah. Now this I guy mean, um, has a list of, you know, why should this appal and alarm people? And he, he has seven reasons. Now, some of these I agree with, some of them I don't. Um, but first of all, uh, I did want to talk to Leighton about what what are your views of the Iraq War.
1: Well, my views on the Iraq War are basically, um, if there were weapons of mass destruction, as supposedly there was evidence of, which kind of disappeared, then, uh, sure, I guess we uh, we could have gone in there because it was a threat to the world, not just us. However... As it turned out, it's more of a oil run for Bush and his buddies, and of course now the religious fervor behind it. I'm absolutely appalled. In fact, uh, I've just become more and more appalled with the Iraq War
0: as I learn more about it. Yeah, it's easy to say, you know, hindsight's 2020. There were no weapons of mass destruction, um, and when we say that, we kind of ignore that. I believe every major country's intelligence. Thought the same thing. They thought that Saddam had weapons of mass destruction. Now, there was yeah. the problem was there wasn't any evidence, really. Um, Colin Powell made a presentation to the United Nations, and the evidence was really kind of drummed up. It wasn't even very impressive. Uh, and it turns out that it wasn't accurate anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, see. But so, so they went on, he said, Well, we're better off without Saddam. Uh, I, I don't know if we have the uh, authority uh... to determine other nations sovereignty uh... based on whether we're better off without them or not Um and so then you go back to the fact that he uh... essentially ignored something like seventeen united nations uh, resolutions and here's a problem with the united nations they can resolve stuff all they want they can apply sanctions sanctions really hurt the people they don't hurt the ruler the ruler has a bunch of money he can he can uh, wall himself off and live in luxury while his people uh, are, are treated horribly, right? They're starving, terrible conditions. Yeah, so, so you're yeah. punishing the people, you're not really punishing the ruler. And he tightens up his rule, actually, with sanctions because now they've got a common enemy. Um, yeah. But the United Nations really doesn't have any teeth. I mean, the United States is, is most of the United Nations' military power. If we were to withdraw, the United Nations would essentially disband. They have no teeth. And, and even with us, essentially, they're too afraid to offend people to really put any backing behind their resolutions. So I think the United Nations, I think it's a good idea, but ultimately I'm not sure if you can call it a success uh, on almost any level.
1: Well, it's, it's a good idea. I think the United Nations is a good idea. However, I think they need to follow Roosevelt's thinking in this uh, point where you speak softly and you carry a big stick. Because, I mean, just like you said, these sanctions aren't really affecting the rulers of the companies. They're affecting the everyday man, causing the everyday man to hate us in America and the United Nations, so on and so forth. Whereas this ruler just kind of sits back and goes,
0: yeah, go ahead. Remember, they get their news essentially through the leader. Um, Yeah. That's why it's very tough, like in North Korea. Um, Very, very tough. Um, Anyway, so I have really, really mixed feelings about the Iraq War. Now... I'll agree with you, though. Uh, you
1: said hindsight is twenty twenty, and I'll agree with you. Um, we did think there were uh, weapons of mass destruction. We did go in, but as soon as we found out, oh, no weapons of mass destruction, uh, maybe uh, if we really wanted to pursue it, arrest Saddam Hussein and uh, try him, that sort of thing. But that was years ago. We should have pulled out of this a long time ago. We are not the world police. We do not determine what a country should do with itself. That is for the people to decide.
0: Yeah, the problem is if we pull out right now, like if we pulled out of Afghanistan, I'm sure the Taliban would take it right back over. If we pulled out of Iraq, then some petty dictator who got in control, who was the most ruthless essentially, got in control of the military, he'd end up there. Uh, we should learn from our prior mistakes that we are not good at nation-building. We're not good at overthrowing countries and setting up our own. Every time we do it, it seems like we get something worse. Or we're in there for years and years and years. Uh, Vietnam, perhaps? Yeah. It's um, Anyway. All right, well, let's get to uh, the seven. We'll go one by one on these seven reasons. All right. So number one, single-minded religious zealotry bedevils critical thinking and not just about religion. This one I agree with.
1: Yeah, I agree with that entirely myself. Um,
0: you, you really need um, to have, uh, to step outside of your religious views to have any sort of objectivity. If you believe God's on your side and you're doing something righteous, then you stop thinking about it. Exactly. I God mean, you're,
1: you're not going to question things if you think God is on your side.
0: Yeah, well, you know, uh, problem's over. You want to take the next one?
1: military proselytizers use Jesus to build up unit cohesion by eradicating doubt about the mission the command and the self I'm (laughs) I i got to agree with him on this one if if now uh, being in the military going to the bars with the other military branches I can guarantee you that there's not much Jesus building going on at least in the bar situation in fact if anybody brings up God even in the unit you are soundly uh, put down and uh, yeah, pretty much your beliefs are in question. However, he states that doubt and the capacity for second thought is a military leader's best friend. Well, we're not talking about the military leader here. We're talking about unit cohesion. And basically, in the military, they beat into your head that you are not to question your commands. You are just to do them because those in upper... Levels have more information than you are. So he's a little off on this one in my uh, my opinion
0: This is the one this is one of them that that I disagree on Um, I do not think a military can function if at every level in the chain of command You are an independent thinker. No, it cannot that that military will be defeated 10 times out of 10 and a hundred times out of a hundred by a coherent unit that follows the commands of one person without question Exactly. Yeah, um, You don't want you. to say, fire at the enemy and then have everyone sort of pick up their rifles, kind of load it, say, oh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know I, is this really right? I, I can't really. You want them to pick it up and fire. Exactly. Um, you, you don't want doubt. Now, in the case of, say, Nazi Germany, there should have been doubt. You know, when people can see all these <laughs> horrible things that are going on around them, that should lead to doubt Um, and and when you use religion to prevent that doubt from happening then I agree with him. but an effective military you cannot have an effective military by using the seeds of doubt and when you get to the battle when you're on the battlefield the time for doubt is over with you cannot even at the military commander level you can't doubt what you're doing No. You're doing a disservice to not only yourself, but the men underneath you.
1: Of course. I mean, if you're doubting yourself, you're going to make a mistake, and your men are going to pay
0: for it, not you. So I disagree with him on this, and uh, this is open to debate. Like I said, there are cases where the individual's morals should outweigh the orders.
1: Yeah. Well, I think where he was going with this was concerning suicide bombers. They have the unit cohesion because they believe entirely, but there should be doubt. I think that's what he was trying to get across here.
0: He's saying that if you use religion to, to build up a coherent unit and, and erase doubt altogether, um, then you don't think about what you're doing. But again, if you're in the military, you probably shouldn't be thinking about what you're doing. No, 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 That's no. That's why no. you're in the military, to take orders. And and I'm you know, never being in the military, but it seems to me that if you are in that chain of command, it, very rare circumstances should you step out of that chain of command and start thinking for yourself. That is not the organization free thinkers and independent thinkers ought to be in.
1: Yeah, let me just point out, you have no idea the amount of hell I got into <laughs> and how much trouble I got into because I refused to do something or thought yeah. for myself. It, right. It's just not, yeah. a, it's not a good
0: fit. It, they, it can't function. It cannot function if you have people disobeying orders or second-guessing you. It, it or, doing, or
1: even doing their own thing. You have to act yeah. as one.
0: Right. All right. Otherworldly religion defining the afterlife as ultimate uh, can undervalue the present life. Absolutely. One of the problems about Christianity putting its emphasis on the afterlife is that you um, uh, devalue this life. This life isn't as valuable as the next life.
1: Yeah, I I agree with him entirely on this. I I hate it when people say, oh, this life is just something you get through to get to the good life. That that kind of thinking just
0: annoys me. Or God will take care of them in the afterlife. They'll get their just desserts. Yeah. (laughs) I like the Old Testament better. It has to be done in this life. Yeah. Take care of it to the generation
1: of the seven. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) All right. Let's see. Religious fundamentalism affirms ideas apart from the context that produced them. Reading the Bible literally or dogma ahistorically such a mindset can sponsor military fundamentalism denying the context from which threats arise refusing to ask for example what prompts so many insurgents to become willing suicides
0: I had to read Th- this like three times to actually understand what he was saying yeah
1: he he really circles himself doesn't he and I'll way. tell
0: you I agree with him after I read it three times this is why we have irreligiosity. we are exactly. providing context and the historical criticism and the scholarship of the last three hundred years so that you can see why this stuff was said in the Bible because one of the biggest problems with evangelical Christians is they'll take something that was written in 400 BC and they'll say this is talking about this day and age no no it wasn't Jesus was talking about us no no he wasn't Jesus was a first century wandering itinerant rabbi who was talking about first-century Judaism he was criticizing Judaism in the first century. He wasn't talking about what happens 2,000 years from now. He thought the kingdom of God would happen within a single generation. You have to understand, and you do a disservice to the Bible, if you don't read it uh, in its original context. You have to understand it in its original context. And,
1: so I, I could have sworn we were running this where I answer first, and then you answer. Uh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> I
0: got excited because I finally understood what was going on. Oh, oh Ed, What was oh, your it, answer?
1: Actually, I, I don't want to give my answer anymore because you've already said it all.
0: <laughs> Sweet, my turn again. A military, uh, yeah, your turn. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> a military that sees itself as divinely commissioned can all too readily act like God in battle, using mortal force from afar without personal involvement. Uh, I disagree with them, um, uh, and I have to tell you, once we had uh, bow and arrow, that was uh, that, <laughs> that that criticism kind of separated went out things. the window. When you had a sling and a rock, when you started throwing stuff at people, you allowed yourself to be separated from the violence itself. The degree of separation after that is just a matter of how much. It's nothing more. Uh, And so I disagree. I think that um, that horse is out of the barn.
1: I had a history teacher who tried to tell me that the advent of the rifle and scopes and uh, all of that separated mankind from the actual battle, but I agree with you. I mean, as soon as we had missile weapons of any sort, I mean, seriously, you're, you're telling me that the catapult didn't do the same thing that a rifle does or a bomb does? I mean, basically, you're just lobbing a giant rock. Do you think
0: the Persians at Thermopylae, where they said, yeah, we will blot out the sun with our arrows, um, do you think they uh, felt really separated from... <laughs>
1: <laughs> All they're doing is sitting way back, lobbing arrows into the right. sky. I mean, think seriously? there was a
0: Persian philosopher going, "Oh man, I long for the days when it was just sword and fist. All yeah. this separation from the battle really depress. I come on, it dehumanizes uh, us.
1: Exactly. He's sitting back there with the arrow pulled, thinking, "Ooh, <laughs> this is really going to hurt somebody. Uh, I wish,
0: yeah. I wish I was closer so I could smell his blood and and really get into this killing.
1: And watch his bowels burst across my nose. Yeah, okay. (laughs) All right. A bifurcated religious imagination dividing the world between good and evil can misread the real character of an enemy population, many of whom want no part of war with us. This I agree with. This, I think, is is spot on. And, And in fact, I've been to Vietnam, and I've actually discussed the Vietnamese War with a lot of uh, uh, Vietnamese veterans within the actual uh, enemy forces. In fact, I met one guy who took out the core of a grenade because he just wanted to blow off a finger because he did not want any part of the war on his government's side or our government's side. And, of course, he mistakenly blew off his entire hand. But, I mean, this is the type of thinking. Uh, it, It should not do such things as divide the world between good and evil. There is so much gray in the world. One of my problems
0: with uh, Reagan, and and it repeated itself with Bush, you know, Reagan said Russia was the evil empire, and Bush gave us the axis of evil. Um, When you say everything's black and white, no shades of gray, I think you're really oversimplifying things, and you're heading down um, a very, very bad, yeah, yeah. All right, uh, the last one, the Middle East is the worst place in which to set loose a military force even partly informed by Christian Zionism, seeing the state of Israel as God's instrument for ushering in the Messianic Age. Yeah, um, I agree with that one, too. Uh, You know, remember Ann Coulter who said, you know, oh man, after 9-11, we should just invade the whole area and forcibly convert them to Christianity. Okay, that betrays a complete and utter lack of knowledge of the history of the area. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the
1: crusades worked so well the first time <laughs> obviously well, actually it's interesting because uh, I actually uh, in the military I worked under a, a chief who was so pissed off he was actually the first responder the first responder in 9-11 and he was so pissed off about the entire thing that he actually said to me one day that he knew exactly how to win this war that we should uh, <laughs> we should drive down the streets with tanks filled with pig blood and just spray everybody we see and that all insurgents will run because, uh, I guess, if they touch pig or pig's blood or anything else like that, they can't get into heaven. So his solution was just to douse the entire place in pig's blood and then uh, the war would be over.
0: Okay. That makes no sense at all. Can't they purify themselves?
1: Nope. Uh, I, uh, from what he was telling me, I've never actually looked into it. I just kind of heard that and thought, well, wouldn't that piss them off more because now they're going to hell, so it doesn't matter?
0: I bet if you looked into it, there's some ritual of purification.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was kind of teased, well, if that's the case, I, all, of our, uh, all of our soldiers should just run around with pigskin footballs and start throwing them around. <laughs>
0: Uh, so I think overall it's a good article. I think he doesn't understand the military, its purpose or its organization, uh, or how it functions. Um, I think clearly uh-huh. he he wasn't himself in the military. Uh, uh, other than that, I you know I agree with his thoughts on separation of church and state. I think the military. You're in the Coast Guard. That may be. It sounds like it is vastly different from say the army or the marines, where they're really gung ho, God and country. Yeah. Um, And I think that's really disappointing. You know, in World War II, I was listening to this audio book about this one uh, mission in World War II where the guy says, all right, I've got you all together. I want volunteers for this mission. It may well be a suicide mission, uh, but we're going to try to save these people who've been captured. I want all the atheists, all the people who don't believe in God to leave the room because I don't want anyone who who doesn't believe in God to be on this mission. I'm like, you asshole. Good God. (laughs) What does that have to do with anything? And I think that kind of attitude is prevalent, uh, maybe even worse, among uh, the military, to certain branches of the military today.
1: Oh, I, I can agree with you. And you know what? Reading this, these lines right here, those downplaying the significance of Draper's revelations suggest the wily Rumsfeld was just indulging the born-again commander-in-chief. Others merely blame the Bible-thumping Air Force general who prepared the briefing, blah, blah, blah. This very paragraph it it tells me exactly that this did happen and the reason why is whenever the the shit hits the fan it always rolls downhill in the military yeah that is true i mean this is a perfect example of oop they got caught with their pants down so shit's rolling downhill my friend
0: all right any final thoughts on that one
1: uh, well, I've I've now put uh, quite the image in our listeners' eyes.
0: <laughs> so. I think we've said enough. Yes. <laughs> see you next week.